Well, it was only a few weeks ago that I was here at the Cranford Dramatic Club, and I'm back because there is a new show that is going to be performed later this month. I'm joined by Mike Burdick, and he is going to be presenting Mike Burdick's Stages of Madness. Mike, welcome back to Cranford Radio. Hi, Bernie. How you doing? So nice to see you again. Good to be here. Now, this show, first of all, it's got your name in the title, so yeah, <laughs> that's isn't, a that good illegal, isn't that a, legal, a little uh, egocentrical? Don't you think? <laughs> we were uh, the the reason though is that there's actually two shows. There's the first act, which is like a dark comedy, and then the second act is an absolute farce. So. I needed a way to take those two titles and kind of combine them into one show. So the Stages of Madness is sort of a thing. And I originally went with CDC, Stages of Madness, but someone suggested that we switch it because it's sort of a special event for CDC more than them directly sponsoring it. So we decided to go with that. This show, did you create this show? Did you write this show? I wrote, yeah, both the shows. The first show is called Mercy Killing, which actually got its premiere in New York City. Since then, I've added about a scene and a half, and this is the New Jersey premiere and also the premiere of those new scenes. The second act, it's called Rock, Paper, Scissors, Simple, Twisted Fate. And that is an absolute off-the-wall comedy farce, much in the spirit of like a Christopher Durang, if you're familiar, Baby in the Bathwater, that sort of thing. It's crazy fun, I hope, and, and it should be fun for everybody to see. Now, you mentioned the first show. This is the New Jersey premiere, so it has been shown elsewhere. Tell me about the first showing of it. Yeah, it was it was done as part of a, um, a special event uh, that had different one-acts, different full-length plays throughout a eight-week period. And uh, so we went in, we tacked on the same day as we did the show. We had a, a, a full audience of about 250 people. It was a lot of fun. And It was really great, too, because the actors that I worked with there, I ended up working with so many times. And one of them I actually started a film company with. So it it was a great way to kick off a lot of creativity. With this show, it's different from the last one that we talked about in the Heights, where it was on a number of weekends during the month of May. This is just one weekend, right? Yeah, it's actually Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, June 15th through 17th. The easy way to remember that is it's the days before Father's Day. It's not on Father's Day, but Thursday through Saturday. And really, it's just because it is a special event. It's sort of something that me and a few friends are producing within the theater. And in between that, before it, we have You're in Town, which is the teenagers doing a production. And after it is the kids show they start doing. So it sort of fits in that little nook. And it also allows me, because it's a three-night show, it allows me to create sort of a party atmosphere because it's condensed People can be relaxed and have a good time. And also, though, hopefully it helps the audience, you know, number of audience members because they only have three shows to see. For that first act, which was previously performed in New York City, you talked about making some changes. Tell me a little bit more about the changes that you made and why you made them. As a writer, I always try to constantly improve the process. There was actually a playwright named David Rabe who did many different plays, one of them being Hurley Burley, which some people might have seen it was made into a movie, uh, which is like a three-hour epic. (laughs) But if you look, uh, David Rabe has like five different published versions of that play Hurley Burley. So what that taught me was you can always improve it. You can always, you know, figure out what worked and what didn't. A couple of the monologues were dragging the quick dialogue in the rest of it down a little bit. So I eliminated those. 
I kind of tightened up some parts of the dialogue that didn't work in my ear. And then I created a scene and a half, a flashback sequence that sort of explains why the characters were set on the path that they were to the demented characters that they become. So we added that, and then we have a half a scene that comes out of that to get them back on track. And hopefully hopefully it will work really well. I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how it is. <laughs> With this show, one of the things that is shown in the uh, ad, if you will, or the poster for the show is BYOB. Yes. I have not seen that before. Yeah, like I said, I wanted to create like a like an easygoing sort of party atmosphere. And one of the ways to do that is it's it's very relaxed. People can bring their own bottle. They can bring beer. They can bring wine or what have you. And uh, it'll help them relax and, and just sort of sit back and enjoy and, and make it a lot less formal than other productions you might see. Off the record, it might actually help them enjoy the plays a little more. Don't you think? <laughs> you never know. It's good to hedge your bets, you know? <laughs> now, does that mean it won't be the traditional setting of rows of, of seats? Well, there'll be rows, but what I'm planning on doing, because I anticipate a sort of a smaller audience than you would see for like a In the Heights that was selling out 200, 250 people, that sort of thing. With this, we're going to have a little less of an audience. So what I plan to do is I plan to bring the the risers, the bleachers up towards the stage. As you know, if anyone's ever been to CDC, the stage is a little higher. So I want to make it very personal. I want to make a, a sort of, um, you know, really intimate setting. Uh, so I'm, I'm bringing those bleachers up. So although there will be rows, a few rows, they'll be closer. And then in front of that, I'm actually going to set up some cabaret tables, if you will, to have people actually sit down and kind of enjoy in that way. As far as the productions go, I'm going to move everything downstage towards the audience a lot more so that it will add to that intimate nature and that sort of thing. So it'll be, it'll be slightly different, um, but it'll, and it'll still be a proscenium stage. One of the things I noticed uh, when I was looking at the cast yeah. is that there are some people who are playing multiple characters. I think the, the largest is maybe four different characters, one person playing four different characters. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. For the first play, that that's not the case. For the first play, it's it's very uh, it's much more realistic. So we keep each person playing one character, which sort of adds to the suspension of disbelief and allows the audience to to stay with that story. That's sort of that dark comedy. In the second act, though, being a farce, it comes with certain abilities to uh, license rather to break the norms. So one character is all the way through. And then these other characters, they come in and out in different scenes. They're going to be wearing like a mask. They're going to be wearing maybe a different jacket. But every one of those actors, at the same time they're in the story, they sort of realize they're in a play. There's actually a scene, for example, where the two characters are next to each other while they're falling out of a building and they're sort of just floating, but they're floating for like two minutes. Like it's totally unrealistic. So every time they cross each other to go to the other, like one goes left and one goes right, they hop on one leg, you know, to make it funny. So they kind of take a second. They go, oh, I'm supposed to go on one leg here. So they're characters that know they're in a play and that allows them to play multiple characters. And the words hopefully allow them to create different characters, move different, the physicality, the different accents, perhaps. One girl goes to a German accent in the second scene, that sort of thing. But at the same time, it, it, they, they have a certain, whatever their energy is should come through in all the parts. For the first show, mm-hmm. I noticed that the characters don't exactly have descriptive names, or they are descriptive, but not very personal. 
yeah. girl, mom. Mm-hmm. Tell me why you did that as opposed to giving them names. The story is set around a double life. The main character was set during a dramatic episode in her life when she was young, realized that she had no problem with committing violence. She's defending her sister and she ends up killing someone. So she becomes slowly, she has a double life where she actually becomes a contract killer. Then it's the person she meets in that, it's her sister, it's her mother. Um, But I wanted to create sort of that mystery to the characters. We learn who they are, but I wanted to create like an idea that this could be any family. This could be any family anywhere. They lend themselves these situations. Although this person is obviously outside the bounds of everybody's family because she's a murderer, their relationships are the same. And her uh, having a different life outside of her family is the common thread. So she might be totally on her game and totally in control and totally a very confident, powerful person. But the second she comes back to her family, as many people, your life sort of falls apart because all those insecurities of the past come back and all these things. But at the root of it, I wanted them to be anybody's family. So girl is sort of that and mother could be any mother. Other is sort of interesting because she, I don't want to ruin too much, but she's sort of a different type of character So other, anyone that comes to see will see why she's called other. (laughs) (laughs) I also noticed on the poster for the play that it says it may not be suitable for all audiences. Correct. There is, I have a potty mouth. So there's, there is swearing in these, in these plays. Uh, There's also certain things, especially in the farce, ironically, you would think it was in the dark comedy. In the farce, there's certain things that are very funny and and really no one's going to probably take offense to it, but my wife won't let my 15 year old daughter come see it. So it's like, there's certain things that, that I want to make sure that parents know, because I once did a production of one flew to cuckoo's nest when I was in college. And if anyone knows that it's very dark, it's, it's darker than the movie and it's, it, there's a lot going on and they're swearing and stuff. And I look out one show and there was an eight year old girl sitting in the front row and it's like, nothing's worse and feeling like you're creating something that they're going to be traumatized or you're going to make the parents feel bad that they made that decision. I want everyone to have a good time. So it's just I want them to be able to enjoy and I want them to know going in what it actually is. So that's why we wanted to warn them. Mike, let me ask you one last question. You said that this is the first New Jersey production for the first show. Yes. Do you have hopes of this being played elsewhere after it's run at the CDC? That's always the hope, you know, that's always the thing. And you want to, you, you'd like it to be bigger and you'd like maybe to publish it. You'd like to put it in a book of plays, that sort of thing. So those are always the hopes, expanding it into a longer play, maybe creating sequel to it. For instance, the gentleman who's on the stairs, one of the actors in the play and I wrote a musical called Frosted a couple years ago and we did it. It was a parody musical. And now we're trying to write the sequel to hopefully do it this theater in the future. So there's always that room to expand things and, and make them bigger. And especially if people like it, if they like it, then you're building an audience and you can get more out of it. And remind us again when the show is going to be played. The show is June 15th through 17th, uh, the week leading into Father's Day. It's at 8 p.m. here at the theater, and bring your own uh, refreshments and have a good time. Mike Burdick, thank you so much for joining me on Cranford Radio. Thank you, Bernie, very much.